Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Today's episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast is presented by Fanatics. Nick, last time, you know, I told you about Fanatics. You got to order some gear. Our Scarlet Knights college basketball season full swing. The NFL, you and I both root for the Raiders. Did you go to fanatics.com and finally order some gear? You damn right I did. All right. I went there. That's what I wanted. Got myself a got myself a Las Vegas Raiders hat. Same one that Coach Gruden's got on the field. Love it. Also got some Rutgers gear. It was awesome stuff. Delivery was right on time, right around the holidays, no less. Uh, and all I did was I just went to the link. I went to podgo.co slash fanatics, and I was able to get 25% off my next order. See, I told people 25% off your next order. People didn't believe me. Go to fanatics.com. Go to this website. Great job, Nick. Great, great job by you. Yeah, all I had to do to get that 25% off, once again, was podgo.co slash fanatics. Fanatics, officially licensed everything. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. He's a bad man, and obviously we love him around here because it's been Conor McGregor week. Let's welcome in the man who says he's the face of the UFC, the notorious Conor McGregor, hanging out with us here on APG. I like your house uh, analogy right there. I'll I'll use that because I think he has the foundation. He's a seven-footer. You can't teach seven-foot, like you said. That voice you just heard is former ESPN anchor and current Fox Sports host Mike Hill. He's going to be joining us tonight as our special guest, talking about the world of sports broadcasting, but also, as those of you watching on video can see behind me, uh, got a copy of his book. Mike recently wrote a memoir called Open Mike, and it's a really a fascinating tale because a lot of people don't know this about Mike Hill and how he got start into broadcasting, but previously, you know, he served in the Air Force Academy. He was deployed overseas. He worked in the government for the NSA for years, uh, getting classified reports to the CIA and FBI and the other intelligence agencies in D.C. So he's got such an interesting story just just from that alone. But then he transitioned into sports broadcasting, you know, working at small stations like Nashville and Dallas. And he talks a lot about this in the book and ultimately landing at ESPN, um, which wasn't a dream job for him. And then he talks a lot about some of the different things that anchors go through, you know, working at ESPN and myself having worked at ESPN uh, as a production assistant, I I know some of the trials and tribulations anchors go through and people that work there go through on and off air. So it was really fascinating uh, read. And now he's transitioning another part of his life. Now he's on reality television, married to Cynthia Bailey from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So just so much to unpack with Mike Hill. Um, I'm excited to get, get started and talk to him tonight. Like so many of our other guests, Mike brings just a an unbelievable background in terms of his experience uh, for, you know, Mike, co-host Mike and I, um, you know, both of us come from a background. Mike, obviously, you've been at ESPN for me. I had a you know, brief broadcasting career in local radio. And, you know, that opportunity to hear from someone who's really just taken their time in the field and just taken it to right. extreme heights. But on the same side, Mike's been over over at Fox Sports as well. So just that difference in those working in those two, two different companies, um, yeah. Just, yeah, battling for ratings and such. 
No, it's true. And it's, there's always that big theory that these anchors, they get paid so handsomely on air that they're doing so well. Hey, you're on TV, you know, and he talks a lot about that in the book. You know, he was struggling uh, financially for his first few years, the way contracts are negotiated with anchors. He signed a three-year deal and then signed another three-year extension. So it's like, it's almost like people have this one uh, sense of what these people are like, or at least lifestyle wise monetarily that they're doing well and it's really not like that for at least some of the anchors that are on the espn newses of the world you know the secondary and tertiary channels that these big uh networks have and then just some of the personal stuff that he touched on uh you know he witnessed domestic violence in his in his own house upbringing um there's just a, a lot to unpack from the book um, it's a really good read and it's in his voice. Um, it's out there available now wherever books are sold. And uh, we're going to be talking to Mike in a little bit. Today's episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast is presented by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo, to shift the food industry, and empower their community and our listeners to make better, informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that is why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co backslash kind. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash kind kind bar creating a kinder and healthier world one act one snack at a time all right joining us now he's a fox sports host a college basketball pregame he recently wrote a book as you, for those of you watching on youtube can see over my shoulder it's called open mic it's a memoir about his life uh bunch of interesting stories in that book. Mm -hmm. Mike served in the Air Force Academy, worked for the NSA. He's worked at ESPN Fox, and that is Mike Hill. Mike, Mike Leon, Nick Savary, thanks for jumping on with us. Mike and Nick, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before we get into everything, Mike, um, you know, we follow you on Twitter. You've been very vocal in the last couple of days. I wanted to get your Mm -hmm. take on this because it's so serious and so fresh in everyone's mind, the events that happened on January 6th in our nation's capital. Just somebody who worked, you know, for the Air Force, for the NSA. Like, what's your take on, on, on what happened on January 6th? Uh, obviously, it was one of the darkest days in this country's history. And that says a lot for this country, which has had a lot of dark days, uh, especially when it's come to the disenfranchised. Um, I never thought I'd see something like that happen, uh, especially uh spearheaded by the leader of this country <laughs> uh to basically uh sick his supporters on not only democracy but also on the people who are in office to serve and help us as a nation um this man has done nothing but divide over the last four years uh, and i'm talking about trump obviously i can't even call him president trump and yes, I did serve in the military and I know I'm supposed to respect the, uh, the office of the presidency, but I can't respect him uh, because this man has done nothing but try and tear this nation apart. I, I fought to make this country the United States of America and it's been anything but with him. So uh, what I saw there was a, a bunch of ignorant people who are um, brainwashed by a man and, and really 
feels like they can believe anything he says and he knows that they'll believe anything he says. And he basically started an insurrection, and uh, almost a coup uh, to try and take over this country, to try and uh, stop the democracy that we built uh, for so many years in this country. And uh, I'm just happy that finally, you know, people are taking steps and there's more and more people are starting to come to the realization of who he is. Not enough Republicans still because only 10 voted to impeach him still in the, in, the, in the House. And that's still not enough. And people are still making excuses for him. But hopefully we'll make more and more progress and make this country the, the country we wanted it to be. Mike, first and foremost, thank you for your service. And, and also thanks for coming on our show. Um, in talking to the and talking about the NSA, just educating our audience. You know, one thing we like to do is just bring people on from different backgrounds and telling their story. Um, just describe the NSA a little bit and also going forward in the new administration, what are your hopes for the for the organization as it relates to being more mindful of domestic terrorism, which is what we saw last Wednesday? Yeah, uh, well, the NSA stands for the National Security Agency. Uh, I was a member of the National Security Agency the last three years of my, my, uh, um, while I was in the military, when I was in the Air Force. Uh, and, you know, they provide intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, for, you know, the other entities out there, for the Pentagon and whatnot, working in conjunction with them. It's almost like a branch of the FBI, like the CIA or whatever. Then you have the NSA and you have people that work there. Um, but, yeah, they... they, they usually work on a lot of things that happen when it comes to overseas and things like that. Uh, when I was there, uh, it was, and this was before 9-11, uh, a lot of the things we did, we didn't do uh, domestic, you know, intelligence. You know, it was more so about the things to kind of give support to our, our troops overseas. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's changed a lot. Now, of course, I haven't been in the building since 1995, and that was long before 9-11. So uh, I know a, thing, a lot of things have changed over the years. But hopefully we'll do a better job of stamping out the terrorism that's happening in this country. And I think we need to brand it what it is because it is terrorism. And there have been terrorists in this country for many, many years. And I'm talking about the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists and things like that. That is terrorism. You know, bombing churches, that is terrorism. You know, uh, trying to uh, stop people from voting and whatnot, that's terrorism. Those are terroristic acts and we need to call it what it is. So hopefully we can do a better job to kind of weed out those type of people in our society to make this uh, this country a better place to live in. You know, Mike, one of the things I, I love <clears throat> reading about the book is you take us through your, your personal life, some of the things you witnessed in your life. And I guess, you know, a lot of people, they see you on TV, they think, here's this sports broadcaster. He probably always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about your upbringing? Because you talk about you wanted to get into acting in the book. You, yeah. you never really thought you would get into sports broadcasting. Give our audience a little bit about your upbringing and, and how you really got into sports broadcasting. Well, from that side of things, uh, I, I always liked playing sports. I wasn't great at sports, but I enjoyed playing. I was passionate about it. Um, but I realized in an early age that I wasn't going to go pro. Even though I grew up across the street, when I was born in New York, I was you know, raised across the street from Yankee Stadium. My, my grandmother lived right across the street from Yankee Stadium. And I always had dreams of playing in Yankee Stadium. I said I was going to work in Yankee Stadium, and I actually ended up working in Yankee Stadium when I started uh, working at, uh, in New York. But I got into sports because... I did want to be an actor and but at the time I realized like being an actor wasn't something that was going to be secure for me. So how could I uh, get in front of the camera, but also have something that's a little bit more stability that, that's, that that involves a little bit more stability. And so I chose broadcasting because of my passion for sports. Uh, I wanted to be I was going to start off in news, but then I realized that 
I didn't want to be the person sticking a microphone in somebody's face after they just lost a child or that house burned down or some kind of catastrophe happened. I wanted to spread joy and entertainment in, in the best way I, I knew how. And that was the love of sports because regardless of what happens in sports in a game, more than likely there's going to be an outcome where somebody's going to be really ecstatic and somebody's going to be sad. But even the people who are sad, it's not the end of the world because your team lost. I mean, Ohio State lost the national championship. It's not the end of the world. They got to the national championship. Sure, there's a little depression that comes in, small depression, but at the end of the day, you're going to be able to be able to get over that. Uh, so that's the reason I got into sports. But then I realized over a period of time that, you know, my voice and my platform is a little bit bigger and I need to speak out on things such as what we talked about in the beginning uh, to make my voice be heard and use that platform in that regards. You know, and thinking about sports, you know, the three one thing the three of us have in common is we've all been on some form or another, <laughs> either behind a microphone or behind a camera, or in some mm. cases, uh, both. Mm. Um, what is it that people on the outside get wrong about about people who are in in sports media in terms of broadcasting and and the feel? Like, what are the perceptions? What's what's a common misconception you get? Like when you're among your circle of friends, man, can't, can't, I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. I'm just gonna be real. That's I'm, what we I'm do gonna, on the show. Man, really formal, so I'm gonna get real relaxed on y'all. I think the the biggest misconception that we have is that people think this this stuff is easy, man. This ain't easy. I mean, like I'm I'm a professional and I've been doing it for a while. Don't get me wrong. I, I I think one of the biggest compliment is you can tell me that I make it look easy, but it's not easy. People say, oh, all you got to do is read a teleprompter. That's actually kind of hard to do <laughs> to to read a teleprompter without sounding like you're actually reading it and sounding robotic or whatnot to be conversational. And I don't even, and 90% of the time in my job now, I don't even read a teleprompter. Uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. I think a lot of people from the outside looking in think that because you go to the barbershop and you can debate somebody that you can do what I do. And that is not the case. Just because you got an opinion on Kyrie Irving and, and whether he wants to play basketball or not, and whether James Harden's right to demand a trade and how he's going to do uh, with the Brooklyn Nets now and are they going to win a championship? Okay, that's your opinion. But there's so much more that goes into it. So much preparation, the things that people don't see. I kind of look at it as like an athlete, even though we cover athletes. You'll see the hour, the three hours of a game in the NFL game. You don't see the hours and days of preparation leading up to that game to get to that point so that they can execute that game plan. And the hours of game planning is the most important part of my job because I have to be prepared when I come on the air. So that's the big misperception that we just get on the air and we just give our opinions or just read a teleprompter. There's so much more that's involved in that. You know, you, we're talking about athletes now. So flipping mm -hmm. that around, like you've been mm -hmm. around athletes and mm -hmm. professionally for, for a while now. Um, same question flipped around. What are the fans like us? What are we not getting right about athletes? And actually, you just mentioned Kyrie. Uh, if you don't mind, just sort of expanding that a little bit in terms of not so much what's going on with him because that's a personal matter. But yeah. what is what are we all getting wrong about the way we interpret athletes and, and what goes on for them as human beings and as professionals? But Kyrie is a prime example. Kyrie is, is human. I mean, we go through things in our lives um, as everyday citizens without being athletes or entertainers, we, they have the same emotions we have. I mean, they may be world-class athletes and be able to do things physically that uh, limited amount of people in this world is able, are able to do. But at the same time, their emotions and their thoughts and their hearts and their mindset 
pretty much the same. They might be a little bit stronger when it comes to recovering from certain things and trying to have a thicker skin or whatnot. But at the same time, they go through a, 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 a litany of emotions just like we do. So we have to understand sometimes that, you know what, even though they can run, jump, and they can throw football and do all these crazy things and they got these incredible skills, at the end of the day, they're still human. So I think we need to always bring it right back down to the base when it comes to uh, judging them. Yeah, obviously you can have an opinion and it's okay to have an opinion about anybody that you're watching. They put their themselves in a situation in the spotlight. People are going to judge them one way or the other. But at the end of the day, you got to put yourselves in their shoes too and understand that they got family members that might be in their ear. They might have you know uh, personal issues at home. They got mental health issues that a lot of us deal with too that need to be addressed. So before I go overboard and, 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 and criticize athletes, I always try to look at where they came from and what's going on in their lives and try and do a deeper dive before I make them that final uh, decision or the final uh, uh, um, judgment on, you know, what kind of person they are. Mike, you know, I was telling you this off air, but one of the things that really kind of spoke to me in the book, having worked at ESPN myself, was mm -hmm. just some of the things that people go through off air. You talk about mm -hmm. how you were struggling financially. You know, people think these anchors they see on, on ESPN News and, you know, we're rolling in it and, and you just weren't. Right. And then mm -hmm. you talk about how unhappy you were when FS1 launched and you thought you were going to be jumping over there. Um, when you look back at your career, especially everyone kind of knows you from ESPN. You touch upon that in the book that people are like, yeah, hey, I, I saw you on ESPN. You're like, I haven't worked there in years. Um, right. What do you what do you do you look back fondly at, at certain things or do you do you look back with I know you mentioned it in the book, but give give our audience a little bit of like, do you look back and say, I'm glad I worked there. I, I have it on my resume or is it more of, you know, I just hate some of the things that they do. And I'm glad that I'm, I am where I am now. I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, in the beginning I was bitter and I admit that I'm, I'm, I can sit here and admit that I was bitter about the way it ended at ESPN, but also look back at my tenure, uh, those nine years that I was there and say that if I, if it wasn't for that tenure at ESPN, I, I wouldn't be in a position I am right now because it gave me a platform. So I'm very thankful uh, for what ESPN gave me, the things that it allowed me to do, the exposure that it gave me, the name. I probably wouldn't even be on this, this show right now if it wasn't for ESPN, because who knows how it would have elevated me. I could have gone in a different direction or whatnot, but I was on the best. Hold on, uh, Mike. Mike, we would have had you on anyway, Mike. Well, I, 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 <laughs> we would have had you on anyway. <laughs> I appreciate it. Who knows? I got, you know, but, you know, I, I don't know how it would have worked out, man, yeah. because at one time I was going to go to the post office and go back in the government, man. I was about to give up on my career. And you read in the book in Dallas and what happened. But ESPN came along and, and I, I was on the national stage. And once again, I was on the worldwide leader of sports for nine years. And I had a you know, I wasn't the superstar or one of their big stars, but I had a prominent role that people knew who I was because I was on some of the bigger shows. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that and the time and the people that I met there and the things that I learned. I'm telling you, man, it, it prepared me for everything that I'm doing right now, for the show I'm doing on Fox Soul, um, the Netflix show I did. It gave me a work ethic that is second to none. It prepared me for everything in this industry because they were top-notch. They did everything uh, in a top-notch fashion. So I'm very thankful for that. The flip side of that, and I got to be honest with you, Mike, when it comes to this, is that I look back and like, how much better could it have been if I would have been given, I feel, in my opinion at that time, if I would have been given a fair shot or an equal shot 
or it wasn't so political, which I understand that in any business you're in, it's going to be a lot of politics that's going to be involved. But I looked at it as, man, this could have been this great utopia. And I only got a percentage of what it actually could have been. And for that, there's still a little regret. I shouldn't, well, I shouldn't say regret. There's still a little, I wonder what would have happened or I wish it would have. But at the end of the day, you know, God doesn't make mistakes and I'm where I'm supposed to be uh, when I'm supposed to be right now. Mike, let me let me just follow up on that real quick before Nick jumps mm -hmm. in, because, you know, I, I talk about it now with younger people and they're like, oh, you worked at ESPN. I, I would love to work there. Mm -hmm. When people asking you that, what kind of advice are you giving them? Because, you know, the belly of the beast, especially at what people see as the highest level, right, being on air. But they don't see what the PAs, the APs, the CPs, production assistant, associate producer, coordinated producer, for those who don't know, mm -hmm. um, they don't see what those people go through, right? The Ooh. long hour. You talk about it, long hours. I remember shifts where I'm working Sunday night baseball until 2.30 and I'm back at 7 a.m., you know, so... Mm -hmm. What do you recommend for people that really want to make it and stay in this field? Because you talk about a lot about it in the book. Like, look, I wanted to do this, so I knew this came with it. Be prepared to work and be willing to have these sacrifices. And don't look at it for the money because the money, for the most case, is not going to be there. Like you mentioned, when I was at ESPN, for the most part, while I was at ESPN, for many of the years I was there, I was broke. I mean, seriously, I had a wife, I had kids, and I was struggling. Uh, I was making okay money. I guess I was making money. Uh, compared to the rest of the world, but I had issues, had bills, had you know things that, that piled up. A lot of it my fault. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I wasn't able to get my my head above water. But yeah, so you got to go out there and you got to be willing to work, especially if you want to go to ESPN. Because I always looked at ESPN. Once again, this is not to 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 down them or say anything negative about them because they're doing what they're doing and they're doing it successfully well. Um, but you get you work a lot of long hours for not a lot of pay and less appreciation. I'll put it to you that way. And Mike, you probably can attest to that. It for a, Now, there are a few <laughs> that are the chosen ones that I look at. And it's, you know, when I was there, now, things could have changed out of this eight years ago. But there are a few that, you know, when you go through the right doors and you're in the right country club and you're with the right people who are in charge, you know, you, you're going to be able to survive and thrive there. But at the same time, for the majority of the people that work there, it's going to be a lot of long hours and hard work that you're going to put in. And a lot of times you're not going to get a pat on your back, but you're going to get a kick in your ass when you don't perform well. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 um, it's hard. So be be ready to um, not think it's all going to be a, a utopia or all roses and rainbows when you get there. If you go to ESPN or anywhere uh, in this industry, because it's tough. It's a lot of hard work. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Can We Please Talk, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application places we've been spending in this conversation is, you know, we talked about just the realities, you know, politically, socially right now, been talking about sports media for a few minutes, bridging the gap for a second. You know, obviously we just all heard the news about Dan Levitard, where he's moving off to, you know, we think a couple of years ago, that situation with Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, you know, what happened mm -hmm. to the six? Um, what, where's the balance you feel in terms of 
the realities of of being as a human being and being a person in these times and melding that conversation about sports, about entertainment, but with the realities of of who we are as people. What does that balance look like? What should it be? I, I think I think you, you you'd be stupid, naive, or just you know, not looking at reality if you can't mesh what's going on in the world with sports. I hate when people say stick to sports. I hate it. I can't stand it. That's like one of the, it gets still to this day, boils my blood when somebody tells me to stick to sports. Because like you mentioned, you know my background, man. I was, I had a top secret clearance in this country. You know what I mean? I was in the military. I served this country for six years. I'm a father. I'm a taxpaying citizen. I got the right to speak on a lot of things in this country if I feel like it's not right. I'm still a citizen at the end of the day. My um, my, my profession does not uh, identify me who I am fully. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I look at it that way. So if you're in this world of sports and you're doing this, if somehow, some way that what's happening in society can transcend into the world of sports, which it usually does, and we've seen it from Colin Kaepernick to you mentioned Jamel and all those things and just the athletes, period. You know, talking about long before uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, uh, Donald Sterling in a situation with the Clippers years ago. All those type of things, you, you have to kind of look and say, well, hey, this is part of the world. And yes, we want sports to be the uh, a form of entertainment that kind of takes our mind away and, and kind of distracts us. But at the end of the day, these athletes and the people who report on these athletes still have to go home and face the real world. So if you're telling me that that doesn't, the real world doesn't affect you professionally sometimes, then I want to meet you because I need some of your blood because you're not made like the rest of us, to be quite honest with you. So I I think we, we have a responsibility to use that platform, not overdo it, not necessarily put too many of your opinions out there, but I'll, but, but, but basically put what is happening on the table and then let everybody else decide. Mike, um, one of the things that we need to talk about, this is going to be my wife's favorite part of the show is because okay. my wife turned me on to you yeah. being on the housewives of Atlanta. I did not. She's like, Oh, Cynthia's husband, Mike Hill. I'm like, Mike Hill. ESPN? <laughs> and then, right. then, then we had to yeah. rewatch the seasons. Oh, wow. uh, and then the audience is going to clown me for that. But anyway, Mike, <laughs> I need to know now you're used to having a camera in your face, but it's at a studio. You got to drive mm-hmm. to the studio. You got now in the most intimate moments in your life, there's a camera there, or at least when Bravo's recording. So what has that been like for you, that transition of, of now getting into reality TV and people are noticing you from that? It's different. Uh, I was talking earlier today. Uh, when I first got involved, I had a friend of mine named Claudia Jordan, who actually used to be on the show years ago. And she said, be careful because it's an animal that you've never experienced before. And I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? I've been, I've been on ESPN, I've been Fox, I've been national TV for the last 16 years. I've been in business. So I got a tough skin, thick skin. I've been called everything in the business. It's crazy. This deal is a different animal, bro. I'm telling you, I ain't never had to deal with stuff <laughs> like I had to deal with over here with this reality show. These fans are on a different planet. They take this really seriously they get invested in your lives literally so it it took some use getting some used to uh get getting used to uh for for a short amount of time because you know yeah having cameras in your face invading your life your real life and the things that you don't want to tell them they're there and then you might be put in compromising situations by a producer that tells somebody to say something and then you got to answer a question but there's a camera in your face and you got to react the right way 
Um, so it's different. It's, it's taking some adjustment adjustments from the fan standpoint, but also being on the air and making sure that while I want to give the fans of Housewives a portion of my life to give them an idea of what my life is like, I don't, I, I can't give them everything. My wife does. That's She's on the contract. I'm there in a supporting role and whatnot, but at the same time, I know there's a limit that I need to, to go to that I won't that I won't cross. So uh, I had to learn where that, that line was, but I've learned. I know how to moonwalk out of situations now. I really do. You know, thinking about, you know, recently, you know, being now on a reality show, time in sports media, you've always had the camera or microphone not that far away from you. Mm-hmm. How do you resend yourself? when the camera's off, what do you do to sort of bring your back and bring yourself back to who you are? And cause I think something that we often forget is when you're on that, that is a true statement. Like you mm-hmm. are in front of people, millions of people and whatnot. And like, you've got to be on what may feel like 24 seven. So when, when all that gets turned off, Mike, what do you do to sort of bring yourself back to center? I try to find things that the most brain free program that I can find. That's why I used to watch like Housewives of Atlanta back in the day when I was at ESPN. <laughs> I don't want to have to think sometimes, you know, like I don't, and, and you know this in, in sports sometimes, like I couldn't even enjoy sports because I was watching it and I would have to analyze it and I would know that that's something that I had to talk about or whatever. So I was overanalyzing instead of just enjoying it. Uh, now that I've kind of transitioned a little bit more out of sports into talk uh, media and hosting or whatever, I can enjoy sports a little bit more. So what I do is, I'll find something to kind of take my mind off of things and decompress, not think about the things that I have to do in life or whatever. So, uh, but also what, what helps me is that when I'm on the air is basically it's who I am. I'm not trying to pretend to be somebody else. You know, I'm not trying to get be buttoned up. I'm not trying to be perfect. I learned a long time ago that I'm not perfect and I don't sound perfect on the air. So I think people understand and they, 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 they feel uh, comfortable uh, with flaws, as long as it's not too uncomfortable where you're stuttering all the time or whatever. But at the same time, I think people like it when somebody sounds natural and, and, and just being themselves. So when I'm on the air, I write my scripts as if I'm talking to my best friend, like I'm talking to you guys right now, whatever. Uh, and, and, and when I'm off air, I, I sound the same way. So I, I, it's easy for me to transition from the on-air mic to off-air mic because it ain't really much of a difference. Mike, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, I, I want to recommend the book for everybody out there. It's called Open Mike, available now where books are sold. You can catch Mike on Fox Sports, on Fox Soul, on Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> he going to be on Steve Harvey next. I didn't even know Dale Hughley's yeah. his cousin. I mean, yeah. there's just so much in that book. Mike, we really appreciate the time you gave us tonight, man. And, and all the best to you and Cynthia and your family. Mike, Nick, this is great, man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. Anytime you need me, I'm there for you, my brothers. All right, that was Fox Sports' Mike Hill. Um, we're, we're, we're laughing, Nick and I, because Mike was just <laughs> so open, so so honest. Go get his book. It's called Open Mike. It's really a memoir on his life. Uh, There's just so much in the book. It's really written in his voice, Nick. And one of the things that you picked up on the interview, and he even said it, you know, uh, I'm going to be real with y'all, you know, and he, he does that a lot in the book. Even though he shies away from certain topics, and it's very minimal, but he just talks about everything. I mean, guy worked 
you know, served in the Air Force Academy, right? Like he's working at the NSA. The the trials and tribulations that people go through, especially on-air talent, because when you want to make it on-air, you're always told, go work in a smaller market, right? Go, and he did that. He was working in Nashville. He's working in Dallas. You know, he, he's working, he, interviewing in Fresno, these small cities trying to get on. And his goal was never to work at ESPN. And, you know, he worked at Fox Sports New York. He worked at ESPN for the nine years, like he mentioned, transitioned to Fox Sports. And he just, it's just such a fun journey that he takes you on. And now, like we talked about with him, being on reality television, it's a different animal, right? You know, you mentioned it to him, Nick, the camera's always on you. You know, what what do you do to kind of recenter yourself? So I, I just thought it was a really fun interview. You got to learn a little bit more about him tonight. And hopefully our audience takes that away from it. Yeah, like, like a lot of our guests, just the ability that Mike brings to just disrupt some misconceptions that we have about all these different fields that he's been a part of and you know through the book and this interview tonight just taking us through his life story it was awesome he was super chill uh, and just casually tells us you know what went right and what could have been better which was just thematically just an awesome way to to get to really understand someone yeah, it's true. And and also the advice he gave to people out there that, that really want to come up. You know, we've had a couple of different people that work in news journalism, but it's it applies for sports journalism and broadcasting. You know, there's going to be long nights, long hours. You know, Sabrina mentioned in, in, the, in that episode about it's not the most lucrative to start off. And, you know, and people see these guys on air and they think they're rolling in it. And, you know, it's just not the case. Um, so go get Mike's book. Like I said, Open Mike, it's available now wherever books are sold. You can catch him on Fox Sports hosting college basketball pregame. Um, as always, for our show, hit subscribe, follow, however you're watching us across the different platforms. We're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast. Leave us a comment in the App Store. Uh, be sure to subscribe, follow the show. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter, TikTok, uh, at Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. We'll catch everybody next time. <laughs>